When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Celtics beat and the Celtics and fans. Well, Adam, we've got love on our mind. How appropriate, right? It's that time of year. <laughs> it may not be Valentine's Day, but it's definitely getting closer and closer to the NBA draft. We have just completed game one of the NBA finals, and we're getting so close, so close to this offseason that we've just wanted so much after just dragging through the end of the 2013-2014 Celtics season. I Yes, you just got to still hope for this Kevin Love, Carmelo Anthony, or whatever. Oh, did, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, hold on here. You just said Carmelo Anthony. <laughs> Leave that one alone, my friend. I want to get nowhere near Carmelo Anthony. Why? Did you hear that rumor this week? It's All right, well, it's it's the Sean Grandy experience, and you know I am I am you know one of the main what co-pieces to the Celtics radio network. I feel like I kind of add my little statistics in there, and I've had to look for the Carmo Anthony information, the Kevin Love information, and it's kind of been, oh, well, how will they form in with Rondo? How will Jeff Green fit in the equation if he's part of the equation? And it's kind of been on my mind for a while since Grandy started mentioning it, and I think that's maybe since I'm so sucked into that, it's been uh, those two guys running together for me. Let's see, if Carmelo Anthony's on the team, will Rondo, Kevin Love, or Jeff Green see the ball? <laughs> All right, so how many mid-range jumpers is Rondo going to be able to take ever? <laughs> it's... He's, a, he's a great scorer. All kidding aside, Carmelo Anthony, and we'll get back on track here in a second, but Carmelo Anthony is a great scorer, not a great player. I think that's fair to say. Interesting. I, and I'll, I'll just add one more thing in there, just the idea that his Nuggets teams didn't really make it to the finals or to the conference finals. I think it was just once in his Nuggets career, and then we saw his second-round flop in the previous season, the last time they made it to the, the postseason as far as the New York Knickerbockers. 
I just don't think now, he's uh, in New York next year. I think he's either in Chicago or yeah, maybe Boston, but I heard, you know, looking for houses in Chicago a while back or something like that. I, I'm leaning towards Chicago, but I just don't think he's in New York next year. They can they can have him. Now, as a guy, little known fact, I don't know if you know this, Adam, I covered the Denver Nuggets from 2000 to 2005. Yes. And I covered the lottery, and, of course, the Nuggets ended up with Carmelo Anthony, and I just really didn't care for him. Now, granted, he was a kid back then, and we all evolve as people. So he's probably more mature, and certainly he's a much better player now than he was back then, but he, oftentimes he would come in out of shape. I remember where George Carl even benched him in Denver in his young career, and he was pouting. So I just... I just don't see him as a guy wearing many championship rings. You know, there was a guy in the NBA a long time ago, well before your time, Bob McAdoo, hmm. who ended up winning a ring with the Lakers. Great scorer, was a Celtic for a brief time, but not a great player. And he's not the kind of guy I think you're going to build a championship team around, especially if you're going to bring in a guy like Kevin Love. I like team guys, real good team guys. And I've got some names in mind for the Celtics that I hope they could get out and acquire. But but we'll see. But lots going on right now, Adam. Lots going on. I wonder if the Lakers would be interested in Carmelo Anthony. And we'll talk to Dan DeGuandau from Laker Nation a little later in the show about what's going on with the Lakers. And honestly, as a Celtic fan, I'd rather be the Celtics than the Lakers right now. It's a very interesting situation when the Lakers have so few players under wraps for a few years that are upcoming here. It's really just kind of bit of Nash unless they opt out or, or end up splitting over his contract over the next few years and just get rid of him. Or, you know, looking at, I think it was Robert Sacker and Kobe Bryant. That's it. it it's it's crazy. And then there were the, the rumors on, on who's going to be the coach upcoming, you know, the next few years, what's going to happen with this team. It's it's all up in the air. And Kobe has two years left, it feels like. We don't know really if he's going to go further than that. Is there a situation in which this Lakers team can, can put something together like they did a few years ago when they were hoping that they had that runner test, or I'm sorry, Meta World Peace hopefully going for the 73 wins or whatever, when they had that all-star starting lineup and then no bench? Can they even put that together for the following season? Or is it going to be a long-term rebuild? You have a guy that you've signed to a huge contract <laughs> extension who's coming off a severe injury. I don't have Kobe's age in front of me. Do you know how old he is right offhand? It's it's not good. I can tell you that. 36, 30, Yeah, 35. and he's coming 35. off a, a severe knee injury. He's not a young kid anymore, and, and this is the guy that you've put your money into. The whole thing doesn't make any sense to me. You're paying Kobe for what he did in the past and not what he's going to bring you in the future. Is he going to attract people to come to L.A.? I don't think so. And then the other part of this equation, Adam... You've got the L.A. Clippers in town. They're the hot thing now, not the Lakers. So you have to wonder if the Lakers are going to go out and do their damnedest to make a big splash. But do they have the pieces? Do they have the assets like, say, the Celtics do to make a splash? It's a great question. You know, after Kobe Bryant played six games this past season, it just felt so weird, a season without Kobe. In a non-lockout season, the fewest games he had played before that, 58 in a single season. And that was two years ago. So it's obviously the, the – you can see the age wearing on him. And I feel like with, with the Lakers, it's, it's just going to be a situation in which they're going to try to become the kings of Los Angeles again. Well, I guess that's a weird pun there with the Los Angeles Kings and the Stanley Cup, but whatever. Yeah, they have to be worried when you see Jack Nicholson <laughs> at Clipper games. You know it's <laughs> you know it's over with. But let's get back to the Celtics. Mm -hmm. Did you see Rajon Rondo on Good Morning America? <laughs> what was that all about? So I think he what he predicted Spurs in seven, correct? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that 
at least goes with his Celtics lore, the idea that he you know, was always rooting against the team that the Celtics are in rivalry with after, hey, the Celtics did take the series from the Heat this past year and showed that a team can beat them, I guess, when the Celtics are, are undermanned. I don't know what it is, but it was just a weird season when the Celtics took this two-season series from the Heat, and now Rondo kind of just kicking them down or kicking the dirt on them, hopefully. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to this finals, I can tell you that, and I, I'm guessing Rondo will enjoy watching because what Rondo does is he is a student of the game. You know, they talk about LeBron knowing the history of the NBA. Rondo quietly does that, and he is a guy who seems to know so much. And when he was injured over the last few years, when he sat out games, especially at the end of last season, or what was it, a season and a half ago or so, when he had that devastating ACL injury, we saw him watching from the bench coaching the team in part. And it was interesting to see what he's going to do going forward because Rondo is, is such a polarizing player that he's the perfect good more American person. He's the perfect for like all these different events. I was surprised he didn't speak to Kevin Love for too long, but he's just such an <laughs> interesting just person. And he just fits that. And I, I just, I don't even know what to think of him. And I never can get a button on him. It's so crazy. And I think he likes yeah. it that way. Too. <laughs> I think he likes that role. In Celtics folklore, I don't think there has been a more polarizing player now, clearly, I didn't, I'm not that old. I didn't follow the team in the 60s. I did follow them in the 70s. But I don't recall a player, Adam, that created such emotion in a fan base. Half the fan base doesn't really seem to care for him. And then the other part of the fan base, they will absolutely kill you if you say anything negative about him whatsoever. I like Rondo. I see his vulnerabilities however i don't think he's a top 20 player in the league i don't think you can build around him we can talk about that on another show i'm actually hoping the celtics deal him but i don't want to get myself in trouble here so we'll we'll, we'll skip the topic if you know what, actually just one quick question on rondo sure. and, and the future of him, his play in boston or his future in boston is his and i and we'll see if you want to talk too much about the trade value is his trade value right now one of the lowest it could be in his Celtics career, or is it near his highest because of where teams think they can get him at? You know, the idea that either he's untouchable or he's approachable as far as a Celtics asset. At one time, when he had that unbelievable postseason and the Celtics just fell short in Game 7 against the Heat, I think that was 2012, he was untouchable, it seemed like. And he would have gone for a King's ransom, like LeBron or Durant. Now, he's at least approachable in a way that you can get solid value, but not huge value, and teams think that they can have a few different offers, and you'll have a bidding war. That's a great question. I think so, because you don't know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. You still don't know if he's recovered from the injury. Clearly, at least in my opinion, just the eye test watching him in a Celtics uniform this year. Defensively, clearly not the player he yeah. once was. Now, granted, even before, even before he got hurt the year before last, I was bitching about his defense as well. And I think a lot of people were. I don't think he was putting the effort into it that he normally did in previous seasons. But I think now, I think you're more likely to see the Celtics deal him than ever before, simply because there's so many unanswered questions. I just wonder if the Celtics are overvaluing his ability at this point. Real interesting, the Celtics actually had a horrible record with Rondo yeah, last year yeah. at point guard. It was awful. I, it's not official. I think, Adam, it was like 6-24 and 24 or You're something like correct. that. Horrible. So when you throw a record out like that at me, 
and you have the fans coming at me saying, well, he's untouchable. Are you kidding me? Can you throw out this season now? The idea that he comes back from injury, he's playing here and there to start off. You have the off nights here and there. Then he's playing 40 minutes. Yeah, before now, I understand. Is the idea that he's 100% or close to 100% during the summer mean that he's getting to the point in which he's confident in his body and he's actually able to put 100% mental fortitude and 100% physical fortitude on the basketball floor? Because I don't think I've seen that yet since the injury. And that's the question. Are you going to see a player who is now entering this next phase of his career, the one where he's really at a fork in the road, and we don't know whether it's going to be the trade option or whether it's going to be the idea that he actually explores free agency sooner rather than later, and the Celtics can't yeah. lock him up because they had that pretty team-friendly contract. Or, you know, it ends up being they a did. pretty – would you think there was a middle-of-the-road contract because of the way that he ended up producing and then ended up getting injured? I guess you would say there's still more to come, but you aren't sure what that is. You're not sure what right. it is. So I guess I'd let this play out yeah. up until the trade deadline in, in February, wouldn't you? Just to see how it goes, to see how he develops, to see if he comes back healthy and he becomes the Rondo of old. I don't want to see the Rondo I, I saw last year. Yes, he had glimpses. He, see, here's the thing about Rondo. Yeah. I think people overrate his value because he is by far the team's most exciting player on a consistent basis. I know Jeff Green has his moments, but Rondo, when he's in gear, man, you can, the highlight reels are incredible. But I think those highlight reels overstate his actual talent. The quote-unquote triple-doubles or the assist streak or whatever. It's, it's interesting. What's really funny is that he actually ended up having the same amount of assists per 36 minutes this season and last season, which is really odd, 2012-2013. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's not passing the ball. Right, and he's not passing the ball to Hall of Famers. <laughs> Exactly. And you know, he's passing to Chris Humphreys. He's not passing to Paul Pierce. Of course, that means the assist rate's going to go down, but his touches are going to increase. It's interesting. Hopefully, this is a, a bringing together the conversation of the three main trade pieces we've been talking about. Rondo, Mello, and Love. Who wins the most rings by the end of their career? You know, who is that key cog? You know, could you say the best player kind of wins, or they're going to overstay? They're going to be past the LeBron James era. I think they'll play a little bit longer than LeBron will. Is there a ring in one of these guys' future or in all of their futures? I don't know. What, what do you think with that question? That's a tough question, I think, <laughs> because I don't think individually those are the type of players that can yeah. bring a team to a championship on their own. They're going to need another person along for the ride. I mean, you think about what LeBron James, sure, he didn't win a championship, and this is about the only compliment I'll dish out to LeBron, but he took, uh, let's face it, an average, at best, Cleveland Cavaliers team. You had Vera who'd you have? And he took them on his back and led them to a championship against the Spurs where they got demolished, but that's not the point. Rajon Rondo isn't single-handedly going to take the Celtics to a championship. I think Kevin Love is a solid, solid player with deficiencies, which people don't talk about. We're getting blinded by our love for this guy. He's not a great defensive player. Great rebounder, not a great defensive player. So I think he needs somebody like a LeBron James alongside him to bring out even more of his game, if that makes sense. So I think Melo, Kevin Love, Rajon Rondo, they'll need another superstar playing alongside of them if they're ever going to win a ring. Now, if those players are far and few between, <laughs> who, who can do that? Kevin Durant, he hasn't won a ring, and he's the MVP. So I don't know. That, that's a tough question. As of right now, I don't see all, all three of them winning a ring at this point in the situations they're in, clearly. 
Now, I threw out a question the other day, and I didn't get hate mail, but I got some hate online. I said, would you rather have Ricky Rubio if you brought Kevin Love over to Boston or Rajon Rondo? Just thinking aloud. Would I, who would I rather have point guard on a team yeah. with Kevin Love in Boston? Best potential, right. Best potential to be successful. I think I had a conversation about this recently, actually, which is interesting, just because you're trying to rank the point guards. You know, Tony Parker, of course, one of the best in the league, do it from all of all the angles. Then you take away, all right, what skills are these guys bringing to the court, and how are they going to lead the team? I think Rondo gives you more potential because of his offensive game inside the paint. It doesn't seem like you get anything from the Minnesota point guard in Rubio. He might just be a one or two tool point guard. I think he was overrated coming in to the league, or maybe he was looked upon as a savior at the point guard position, but I like Alexi Shved almost as much as I like Rubio. It's not a situation in which I'm ranking him in the top 20 in point guards or top 15 in point guards, I don't think. Rondo was a top 10 point guard. He's even developing his offense in a way that we're seeing a potential there. And the defenses, I think, are comparable. If they have like Avery Bradley next to them, I think they'll be fine. It's just that Rondo can create more on offense, I think, just because of his threat that he gives on the offensive end in different ways, unlike Rubio. Once again, do you think it's a case when you see Ricky Rubio on a highlight, it's so (laughs) jaw-dropping, it's so breathtaking, that you overrate his value? It's just the idea that you'll see, and this is interesting, both of them with their tremendous passing, and you'll see the Maravich ball fake with Rondo, and that'll be on the top 10 list almost every other week, and you'll get that from Rubio as well with his flashy passes and threading the needle, and I feel like... Yeah, just Rubio just is not going to be able to score like the best of them, and he's not going to be able to be a top 10 point guard even in five or 10 years unless he can at least develop some type of offense. It's frustrating to watch where he'll go be that zero in the point column, and it's not going to be good. And you said you felt Rondo was developing his game mm-hmm. this year. Do you really believe that based on the numbers you saw? It's hesitant to say taking his performance in 2013-14 in the 30 games that he played in just under 1,000 minutes and saying, is this reliable data? That's what I'm looking at and saying, can I even take anything from this? The first, I'm trying to remember how many three-point shots at one point, but he had a stretch in which his three-point shooting was going to be the best of his career. And then it fell off. It was disgustingly awful. It was still his second-best three-point shooting percentage of his career. And it was obviously his most he'd ever taken in a year. Right. I think that is the reason why I thought it was developing, because at one point he had hit, I don't know if it was 50%, but it was definitely looking great for a long stretch in which it was looking like he was taking the three-pointers and being confident in shooting them because he wasn't able to drive the basketball as well as he could because he wasn't as confident as he was when he was playing in the NBA Finals in 2010, in the Conference Finals a couple of years later. And now it's, it's a situation which... Hopefully, at at the beginning of the next season, he's got the full package that he can bring, and he continues to develop the outside shot, in which, you know, you don't have a guy like LeBron just stepping five feet off of him in a yeah. game. Adam, at this point, though, don't we know Rajon that, Rondo? Is, don't we is, really? Is it like the Jeff Green rule? Is it the idea yes. that once he shows it and you don't want to keep hoping for something you know that he's going to be like that and he's not going to be able to ever reach the the lengths of i I keep mentioning tony parker because i think he's the best point guard in the league i just i agree he's amazing at what he does on the court and i was amazed that they won the clincher against oklahoma city with him on the bench but he just revolutionizes the team and if anything he is the leader of that ball club if rondo has a guy next to him like love i don't know if that's enough because those two guys 
don't have that much around them, and I'm not sure Jeff Green is your third piece, especially no. if Solinger's not in town. It's so funny. I was such a Jeff Green defender. Oh, forever. And then after last year when I thought, this is going to be the year. He'll demand the ball. He'll be more aggressive. Boy, were we let down. It's so tough. And I I forget if if it was Sean Grady was saying this. The idea that he played 82 games this season, this past season. He played 81 games the previous season. That was all the games the Celtics played because of the cancellation of their final their final home game this season, 2013, uh, 2012-2013. It's amazing that he's played that many games since having heart surgery. It's amazing. Yeah, it's, he's been healthy. And so you would think that he'd be past that and put up numbers that we would all expect him to. He's the most athletic player on the team. He's one of the most athletic players, I think, in all of the NBA but yet he just lacks – there's something lacking there, that killer instinct or something, Adam. I don't know what it is. There's an intangible that's missing. And I think the perfect thing that we were looking at was his starter minutes in the 2012-2013 season. So he was finishing off his career with the Hall of Famers, the Paul Pierces, the Kevin Garnetts, that interesting team that put together and almost pushed the, the Knicks to a game seven. He played some great games as a starter. So it was 20 points per game and six rebounds. And he shot better than 50% as a starter in 17 games. It was fantastic. It was only 600 minutes, though. So it was just great to see what he could do on the court, just giving you tremendous offense when they needed it. We saw the Miami Heat game. We saw all that performance. We saw the life-shattering games that we saw. Couldn't miss. And just remembering those games, and I think we fell in love with those starter minutes and then relying on him for 82 games is just not. Uh, We all fall in love with potential, don't we? Yeah. It's a harsh mistress, my friend. <laughs> it is. And I know the Lakers, I'm sure, would die to have a player like Jeff Green at this point. They'd die to have anybody. They're also in the Kevin Love sweepstakes. So let's talk to Dan DeGuandao now from Lakers Nation. Dan, great having you on the show. My first question for you, not Lakers-related right away, your reaction to Game 1 of the NBA Finals. Was that crazy or what? Well, it was a crazy game. I didn't expect the... AC to have an impact on the game, especially to LeBron James, and to see like the reaction after the game was very surprising. It's too much being made of that. I mean, everybody had to play in the same conditions. The Spurs, what, shot 14 of 16 from the field in the final quarter. That didn't have anything to do, I don't think, with LeBron James being out of the game. They just caught fire at the right time. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Danny Green was huge. He made 11 straight points, I believe, in the fourth quarter, and he helped the Spurs pull away in the final four minutes. Well, let's talk now about the Lakers, Dan. The Lakers, they've always had the ability to go out and get the biggest name in the market. I think back to Shaquille O'Neal. The Lakers, in this case, do they really have the resources to make that kind of splash now? I unfortunately don't think so. With only the seventh pick and only three players under contract, it's going to be very difficult. When you look at the other teams who are offering different packages for Kevin Love, I mean, I don't think the Lakers can compete. Yeah, that was all the talk is that Kevin Love was going to come to L.A., but who can the Lakers really give up? Really, and and Kevin wants to play for a title contender. So let's say that Kevin decides, you know what, I'm going to play. If the Timberwolves can't trade him, he's going to play out the season. Why would he go to L.A. anyway? This is a team that is definitely going to take some time to rebuild, right? Yeah, it's definitely going to take some time. I think the best 
course of action for the Lakers is to not trade the pick, keep the pick, develop a young player, and hopefully Kevin Love does become a free agent in 2015. I think that's where they can make their splash. Can you do me a favor? As a, as a Celtics guy, a guy that covers the Celtics, I'm still scratching my head over the Kobe Bryant deal. I still don't get it. The Celtics were willing to part ways with Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce. Granted, those two play well, no, you could make a case that, that in their primes they were almost as good as Kobe, right, as far as being impact players, Garnett and MVP. Why wouldn't the Lakers, do you feel, be willing to have dealt Kobe Bryant to improve their future like the Celtics did with Garnett and Pierce? Well, to me, coming into the summer, Kobe is still one of the best players in the NBA and one of the best free agents available this summer. So for the Lakers to re-sign him when they had the chance to before free agency began, I thought it was a good move for the Lakers. To that contract, though, to tie up that kind of money at that age, don't you think that's kind of looking more in the short term than the long term? And now, now in particular, they're stuck with that huge contract, and who knows what they're going to get back following the injury. Yeah, I feel like with Kobe's contract, what gets lost is they still have enough money to go out and get a couple of good players along with their draft pick. I know it's two years over, it's $48 million over two years, but I feel like he's still one of the better players in the game. How hard was it for you, Dan, watching the Lakers just hit rock bottom this year? That had to be very frustrating as a guy that covers the team. Oh, it was very frustrating to see the team lose by 20, 30 points by the end of the first half or lose by lose by 40-something points to the Clippers. It was very difficult. And the defense was horrible. I mean, it was really bad giving up 130 points each game, if that were like. Now, how could they put that on Mike D'Antoni's doorstep? That wasn't all him. I thought he was made the scapegoat in all of this. Oh, definitely. Unlike most fans, I wouldn't put everything on Mike D'Antoni. There's a bunch of injuries, a lot of different starting lineups, and it would have been tough for any coach to be put in that position. We got the NBA draft coming up, as we've already discussed. What do you see as the immediate – well, what aren't the immediate needs of the Lakers, but what do you think is top priority? The front court. They have no front court players, and the only player left under contract right now is Robert Sacre. And it's not really that deep in the free agency market either in terms of having good quality big men available. So what do you see as the makeup of the Lakers this year? Are they going to struggle again, or are they going to try to be instantly competitive again somehow? Because you got to think, with the Clippers getting all the spotlight now, that, that's really a strange place for the Lakers to be, playing second fiddle. Definitely. You don't – the Lakers, I feel like they sh- it's going to be another rebuild, rebuilding season, and I feel that 2015 is very realistic to become championship contenders, and to say that you rebuilt a team in two years is pretty impressive. I was thinking to myself here, that's just got to be the the oddest place to be in L.A. is to be 
second. I mean, to me, I think about the Lakers. You don't have football in L.A. The Lakers were, yeah, the Dodgers, but let's face it, it's, I always think of it as a basketball town more than a baseball town, even though Magic bought, uh, was part of that group that bought the Dodgers not too long ago. It's an odd place for the Lakers to be, not to be playing relevant games and being relevant in the Los Angeles market, or just by the name of the, lo- the name alone. Are they relevant right now? Are people really interested? I feel the season really tested the loyalty of the fans, and for the most part, they still supported the Lakers. They still watched every game, even though, for the most part, we knew they were going to lose. So who is going to be there next year? That's the big question. Who is going to be on that roster as you see it, Dan? Well, we have Kobe, Steve Nash, and Robert Soccer under contract. I know they're interested in Kyle Lowry, Luol Deng, and maybe Greg Monroe, but I wouldn't want to overpay for those players. So instead, I feel they're better off just re-signing a couple players from last year's or this season's roster add a couple pieces, and then prepare for 2015 and 16. Now, is that something that Kobe would settle for, considering his age? Is he willing to go through a rebuilding season? Well, that's very difficult. I mean, with only two seasons left, everyone knows he wants to win that sixth championship. And I think if it's going, he's going to have to sacrifice this upcoming season and 2015 is where I think everything will happen and give him the best chance to win before he retires. Dan, also questions about a head coach. Where do you go? Where do you turn to? Do you turn to an assistant coach? Do you go after a big name? Better yet, who is going to want that Laker job? Well, I believe Byron Scott's the answer, and he's the fan favorite. And I also think he's the safest pick for the Lakers right now. After the failed attempts of Mike D'Antoni and Mike Brown, Scott, he played for the Lakers for 11 seasons. He has a very strong relationship with Kobe, led the Nets to two final appearances, and he's a defensive-minded coach. And I know that everyone talks about his coaching record and how it's not very good, but I feel like every coach needs to have talent to win. Yeah, and how important is it, too, for the Lakers to put a face on this team instead of putting some nameless assistant coach? Hiring a Byron Scott takes us back, of course, to an era of great success in the 80s with the Lakers. So maybe there's a need there, too, to remind people, hey, this franchise at one time was great, and that's a perfect person to be able to market the franchise around in the coming years. Yeah, definitely. I feel like a couple months ago, Magic Johnson brought up a good point that the Lakers don't hire former players and they all leave to different teams like Jerry West with the Warriors. So I think it's important to bring back some of that Laker tradition. And I think Byron Scott can do that moving forward. Our Celtics beat question of the week comes from Samuel Lias. He wants to know if the Lakers, you feel, will go in full rebuild mode or will they go after big-name free agents? going to take another year to rebuild, and hopefully Kevin Love becomes a free agent in 2015 along with LaMarcus Aldridge. And then in 2016, we have Kevin Durant. I don't think he'll leave, but you want to obviously keep your options open. Yeah, the whole Kevin Durant thing has got me curious, too, because Durant is such a low-key guy, right? He's not like a LeBron James. He's just different. 
as far as his personality is concerned. I wonder how Durant would be in a big market like a Los Angeles or a New York. It seems to me that OKC, a city like that, is perfect for him. I just would like your observations on that. Well, during his MVP speech, it, it was pretty clear that he wasn't leaving his teammates or the city. I think he really loves it there, and I don't really think he's going to be leaving there anytime soon. Getting back to the Lakers, Pau Gasol, what is going to happen with him? What do you, what, what's your gut tell you? I think he's leaving. I feel that after all that happened the last couple of seasons with all the trade rumors, I feel like this is his chance to go somewhere else and start fresh and play the final couple seasons of his career to, you know, the power that we all know. He was such a important part of those back-to-back titles. Do you think that he was treated unfairly during this whole time? I know he made a boatload of money, but he seems to be a really good guy. In fact, when you hear him in interviews, he just seems like a great ambassador of the game for the Lakers. And it just seemed to me that last year in particular, I thought it just kind of got ridiculous with all the trade rumors. I'd like your opinion on that. Yeah, I don't think it could go with how Gasol went through. He was the ultimate professional. And, yeah, I feel like he was treated unfairly the last couple of seasons, and I really want to see him do well, even if that means not coming back to the Lakers. You have to be a Laker fan, obviously. You're part of Lakers Nation. Tell us a little bit about the blog you work with. We're a blog, and... We pretty much do it for the fans. So most of our content is for the, look, having the fans in mind. And it's really it's a really great way to interact with the fans. What do the fans tell you? What, what's the most frustrating thing? I'll tell you, as I'm, I'm a Celtic guy. I said that earlier. But from an outsider's perspective, one of the things that's lacking with the Lakers, at least for, for a Celtic guy like myself, is I look at the Lakers – and I think it starts at the top, and there seems to be something missing as far as management is concerned. And it all started with the departure, of course, of Phil Jackson. Oh, definitely. I feel like Jim and Jeannie are working on it, working on their relationship, trying to make it work. And I feel once they're able to find a good balance between what they do, it will trickle down and we'll have a good uh, system. I know it's tough losing Dr. Jerry Buss. Are are you worried about losing the marketplace to the Clippers? Because now they've made the big splash. Steve Ballmer's going to buy the team. And you know Steve Ballmer's going to go balls out when it comes to making the Clippers the best they can be. you got Blake Griffin on the Clippers, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Are, are the, there's a real concern. Is there a real concern you feel from Laker fans that they're losing their spot in the market? I'm not really concerned. A couple months ago, Chris Paul said this will always be a Lakers town. And when these Clipper players show up to Dodger games, for example, they're getting booed. So I'm not really worried about this becoming a Clippers town. Dan, is there anybody on the Lakers that you feel is not expendable? Well, they only have three players right now. Right. 
Is there a player on the Lakers right now that they're not talking about keeping that you think is a hidden gem, a secret who played well last year that kind of flew under the radar stri- radar screen that you would really want to hang on to? Oh, that's tough. I mean, it's only between Kobe, Steve Nash, and Robert Sacre. And, and Sacre, he's been a, a nice pickup, I think, for the Lakers, considering their lack of talent at that position. If he continues to learn the game, he can definitely be a defensive anchor in a backup role. Dan, if it were Christmas and you could get your Christmas wish for the Lakers <laughs> as far as a player you could bring to the team, who would that be? It would have to be Kevin Love. Do you have any concerns about Love's defense, for instance? Well, a good defense, a good defensive system is going to help cover those flaws, and I feel like Kevin Love is would be perfect playing next to Kobe in terms of his ability to shoot from outside and his rebounding, and I think he would be great in a pick-and-roll with Kobe. Now the question is, without a coach right now, I mean, we got the NBA draft coming right up here. There's all sorts of talk that teams are offering up draft picks for Love along with players. Wouldn't Love be more attracted to going to a team with a head coach? I don't know. It's just my thought on this one. The Lakers really need to make a coaching decision soon. They need stability already this offseason. Yeah, well, right now they're interviewing coaches, and Mitch Kupchak recently said that they hope to have a new coach by the NBA draft. I feel that'll help. How much is he to blame in all this, the fall of the Lakers? Mitch Kupchak? Yeah. I think in every single move you make, there's going to be risks. And for the Lakers, it just didn't work out. I feel like everyone was excited when we got Steve Nash and Dwight Howard and both moves didn't work out as planned. So right now for the Lakers, they need to take calculator risks, which means that they don't trade their pick because if they do trade their pick and Kevin Love comes and he leaves, they're putting the organization back for a long time. Yeah, I I was thinking about that. You know, they went out and they got Gary Payton and Carl Malone once, and they didn't win a title, so they didn't really learn from the past there. And the Dwight Howard-Steve Nash experiment didn't work either. Do you expect Nash to stay with the team? I think he's going to try, and this is a really important offseason for him. I feel like he can thrive in the backup role and being a mentor for a younger point guard. Yeah, and I think he would be good in that role as well. Dan, where can we find your work online and on social media? Well, you can visit LakersNation.com or on Twitter, and we're at LakersNation as well. And, Dan, is that your Twitter uh, handle as well? My Twitter handle is Dan Doingdao, which is D-A-N-D-U-A-N-G-D-A-O. Very good. Dan Doingdao from Lakers Nation. I want to thank you for being a guest on Celtics Beat, and as a Celtics as a Celtics guy, I can't really wish you the best of luck. <laughs> we can't really wish, you, wish each other the best of luck, can we? But it was great having you on the show, my man. Hope to have you back. All right. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. Take care, Dan. You too.
Dan DeGuandau from Lakers Nation. The Lakers, once again, I'll say it again, Adam, I'd rather be the Celtics than the Lakers at this point. I have no doubt in my mind they want to make a move for Kevin Love. Who are they going to give up, seriously, <laughs> to get in that to get in that race? Well, you just say they hopefully have the cap room. It's yeah. really going to come down to who they get in the draft and who they sign and who they can trade. And... Or are they going to wait a year? Or is a team like the Washington Wizards going to kind of open up some cap room and then get into the mix as well as maybe Flip Saunders, who just became the head coach of the Timberwolves, maybe he wants him for that year because he was talking about, he was even saying while Kevin Love was in Boston, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah, he did say that. Now, Kevin Love, we didn't really mention it in the beginning of the show, but he spent quite a bit of time uh, in Boston recently. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, fueled speculation like the deal maybe was done. A lot of wishful thinking on Celtics fans' part. I, of course, he'll be spending time in Chicago. He'll be, he'll be at all the haunts and in every prime location in the NBA. It wouldn't surprise me to see him making, uh, making the trips around. And honestly, honestly, Adam, I, I don't see a deal. Why do the Timberwolves have to make a deal now? They don't. Do they want to get something back, and do they want somebody to get them for the full year to at least give them a little insurance and give them some time? so that he doesn't become a free agent and actually allows himself to, to see every, every possible destination. I think that's the idea, maybe giving them a little bit more time, giving them a full year. But it's just cropping up because I think the idea is that he's such a polarizing player, or at least he's such a, a, a big player in, in the league. And, and you know what's interesting? I hear top five from some people. I hear top ten. I don't even know if he's in the top 20. It's kind of tough to put him in a, a real category because of how up and down I think – I have seen his rise and, and quote-unquote fall, I feel like. I don't know how to describe his current situation in the NBA because he hasn't led a team to the playoffs ever. They haven't made it to the playoffs ever. Thank you for saying that. I mentioned this on another show that we did on Celtics Beat, and I love Kevin Love. Trust me, I want him in green. I do. But you make a very good point. We're talking about guys that are going to lead you to championships. This guy has zero playoff experience. <laughs> And you're going to roll the dice? You're going to roll your franchise dice on that? He's a great stretch four, right? Probably the best in the game, would you agree? Where's LaMarcus Aldridge? Uh, oh, now, now you're tugging at my heartstrings, man. He's, he's a great player. And the only reason people don't mention LaMarcus Aldridge is because he plays in the Pacific Northwest. Yep. He might as well be playing in Alaska. <laughs> he, you know. he at least got some type of press with how tremendous his 40-point games were in the playoffs, how they just put away those rockets like taking candy from a baby at one point there, and then Lillard puts in that, that game six game winner in front of the, uh, what is the Moda Center now? But I'm going to call it the Rose Garden. The Rose Garden. Please do. Oh, thank you. Yes, I love that. It will oh. always be the Rose Garden. Rip City. Oh, the, those days with Brandon Roy, and oh, man. it's Great team. Oh, Fun team. And you go back to the Bonzi Wells days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bonzi Wells. <laughs> I remember those. <laughs> well. Who else are you going to throw out there? I love me? the random names. I, I, you know, I, I can remember the Darius Miles of those times. I can remember so many fun players. And I feel like just LaMarcus is one of the guys who just doesn't have as much cachet, I feel like. He just doesn't seem to get talked about. Kevin Love, when there's smoke, there's fire. And I feel like there will be a trade within the next year or before the next offseason. But we don't know when that will be. I just feel like I don't know where he lands. It's so tough to put him in a ranking, because you just don't know what he can do as far as championships. We know he can do great with double-doubles, but where else can he go? So can Rajon Rondo <laughs> and lose games against the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, he, Rondo may have had the most worthless triple-double I've seen ever. 
They lost almost by double digits last year to the 76ers, and Rondo throws up a triple-double. But I don't want to get hate mail or hate email, so we'll get off the Rondo topic. Do you think Flip Saunders taking the post as head coach in Minnesota will have any bearing on Kevin Love staying in Minnesota? I think he hopes it does. I do like Flip Saunders. And the weird thing was, was when he attacked Boston fans, he was a special assistant for Doc Rivers after Flip had been relieved of some duties. And during a postseason, he actually helped Doc by taking notes and helping him out from behind the scenes. And then he kind of you know, backlashed a little bit at, at Boston here. It's an interesting situation. I guess so, because of the idea that at least it helps a little bit, that Flip gives Love some type of confidence. Is that the main idea where he's coming from here? Because instead of hiring somebody who doesn't know the system, doesn't know him, at least Flip's been there. And Flip's been a great supporter of Kevin yeah. Love. Yeah. Ah, it, it's so tough. It, it really is. Kevin, by all accounts, he just wants to play on a team that has a chance for a championship. But then again, who the hell doesn't, right? <laughs> that to me is like stating the obvious. Now, here's a crazy question. Let's say, let's say LeBron loses to the Spurs. LeBron and the Heat lose to the Spurs, and LeBron takes off, goes to Cleveland. Does that increase the chances of Love leaving Minnesota? Oh. That's a crazy question, I know. <laughs> do you have a do you have an answer first? Because I'm still sure trying to contemplate. That's that's a tough one. I think it certainly would be enticing. The other question, of course, and this is getting way off topic, is <laughs> Would the Cavaliers want LeBron back? I would think they would, even though all that bad blood was exchanged between LeBron and Gilbert at the time of the decision. Would Cleveland embrace him? I mean, we're talking about a fan base that burned his jersey. With how poorly Kyrie Irving, and this is interesting, Kyrie Irving's in the same, same situation as Kevin Love. Both players, supposed to be top, uh, I'm going to say 20. I feel like 20 is a good range for these guys. Both can find their way in that area. Both top 20 players, at least when they're healthy, no playoffs, n none in their careers. If Cleveland will welcome back LeBron because he can win, I, I feel like that's the idea. If you win games, everything else goes away. There's no problem. <laughs> Everything's forgotten, right? Suddenly everybody's got amnesia. And people start to hate you from other places. The Celtics became the bad boys, obviously, because of Kendrick Perkins, Kevin Garnett, and the scowl and everything like that. But they were winning games. And Boston was rallying behind them. And we saw that, and this is interesting here, we, we, just with Boston and continuing, the, the Bruins have become, a, a, they, it's a renaissance for, for Boston hockey. And it, sure it is. It's tremendous how much they're being supported. And, and of course, uh, the baseball with, with the Red Sox always will, will be, it'll be a Red Sox town. But when there's a team that's winning, you're going to rally behind it. And I feel like no matter what happens, Dan Gilbert's going to take back LeBron and, and, and he'll be able to market the hell out of everything when, when LeBron comes back. Oh, I'm sorry, if LeBron comes back. Well, how about this? Yeah, instead of you have the decision, you'll do a show called The Reunion. You'll have it on ESPN, right? And you'll donate all the money to the boys' club. Why not? <laughs> exactly. It's really intriguing because this, this Cavaliers team might be the best it's been since LeBron was there. You, you know what I'm saying? Like The idea that they have the talent, or at least Kyrie Irving can, can provide a great second banana that there really never was. That's a good point, right? Anderson Varejao, <laughs> Mo, you know, Mo Williams. Am I missing somebody? I can't remember anybody. Sasha Pavlovich, I think, was on that team. Drew Gooden and his fantastic facial yeah. hair. I'm sorry, back hair, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're making my point that LeBron, while I hate to admit it, he's the kind of player that can carry mediocre talent to a championship. Not to win the championship, but the actual finals. 
I, I don't know. If you're Cleveland, think about it. You're Cleveland. You're so hungry to taste victory. The Browns, when did they sniff a title? Right? You have the Mandel. Indians. They've been waiting for a title forever. Yeah, Johnny Manziel <laughs> is the most exciting thing to come to town. Johnny Manziel. That's not LeBron James. So I, I'm with you, man. I could see... I could see Cleveland wanting LeBron James if LeBron is willing to go if the Spurs beat them in the series. And I think they will, but that's the topic for our uh, NBA in five. But it'll be interesting to see how the dominoes fall. But I just think a lot of teams have this whole Kevin Love decision in their sights. And there's a lot riding on the futures of teams based on this one guy. I feel like when you look at a team that has been in shambles, like the Cavaliers recently, LeBron can go anywhere he wants. It's just going to be, yeah. what's the situation? Does he? And, and maybe they can rebuild in Miami, because we know that that's a pretty solid location for free agents. So is, is Kevin Love there in two years? Is, is there a situation in which you're seeing Carmelo Anthony and, and, and Kevin Love in Miami in two years? It, it, there's so many possibilities where Pat Riley is not going to be stepping down. It's not like he's going anywhere. I don't think he is. At least we'll see what happens with this finals. And this is a great rematch that we have because this will this will be talking about a lot of dynasty talk. And I feel like that's really, you know, where do the Spurs go from here? But really, it's where does LeBron go from here because we don't know what Bosch is going to do. Is he going to keep following LeBron's footsteps? But is Wade going to be in, in Miami much longer? Or is he going to be in the NBA much longer with, with how many games he can play now during a regular season? Yeah, I can't see his body taking that for much longer for any any great length of time. Not multiple seasons Anyway, the other night, the other night, somebody asked me, would you be willing to stand pat if you're the Celtics this year? And I said, yes. I said, I'm more than willing to sit through a mediocre to average season if I know it's going to benefit the team. I just don't want Danny Ainge pulling the trigger on deals for the sake of pulling trigger on deals. Do you agree with that? And I think that's what Danny does. So I, the way that the track record has been, we've had confidence in this organization because they do take advantage when they can, and they don't push the button when they have to. Uh, it's a situation in which what we saw with the Brooklyn Nets deal. Celtics now have tremendous number of picks because of this Nets team might be in shambles within a few years. So those, those picks look just so valuable. And I think the reason why is because they knew what was going to happen. Pierce and Garnett weren't going to make this team into a championship team anytime soon, and they were going to retire before the Celtics could get anybody to compliment them. So they knew they were in the perfect situation to be able to get rid of them. They just needed the perfect deal, and, and we saw it happen, especially after the Rondo injury. So everything just happened. Doc Rivers left, and then they were able to take advantage of a situation where a greedy owner knew that he could pay the money, and he said, Prokhorov's just going to go for it, so we'll just take this trade. And I think that's really... I, I agree with you because that's what's going to happen. We know that they aren't going to make any foolish uh, you know, decisions under this management. Will the Celtics fan base Oof. tolerate that? Now, the thing is, here's what I love about Danny Ainge. He doesn't <laughs> care, folks. He doesn't care what you think. He's one of the toughest skin guys that I know. As an old-time Celtic fan, he was hated. He was hated. He didn't care. He, he relished that role. It's so cool to see. The, the the candor he brings to all the interviews, everything that he he wants to say, he'll say it. And, of course, he'll take a step back because he doesn't want to tell you everything. He's going to tell you everything that he wants to tell you. And he's not going to, be, he's not going to lie to you about it. And it's just fun to hear those interviews because he knows that he's going to make the right decision or he's going to make the right decision, the prudent decision. 
I, I love the guy. Maybe you call me old school. <laughs> I miss the days of the old guard and wearing the, the number 44. But Danny Ainge, man, he's perfect in his role as general manager. And I think he's a, I think he's a genius, even though I still have people bring up the Perkins-Jeff Green deal. Yeah. I'm like, really? We're still talking about that? Is it, I know we, we might have lost a championship there, and we don't know. We really don't know what, what, what uh, the Celtics would have done when Shaq got injured and Perk would have stepped in. We don't know. But – is it possible that Jeff Green actually is better than Perkins? It's almost it's almost a guarantee, right? I think that's a given. Right, that's a given. Yeah. Nate Robinson was part of that deal. <laughs> what was he going to do? <laughs> now, Nanad Christich, yeah. Now, now, had he stayed, I think he would have been a very serviceable player in the NBA. I think. He's had a nice career overseas, but who knows? In fact, a few years ago when the Celtics were looking for a big man, I'm like, where's Nanad? Yes. Let's go for it. But he was under contract overseas. So with that said, let's go. It's that time for Around the NBA in Five. And let's start, of course, perfect place to start, with the NBA Finals. Spurs are heat. What is your gut telling you, stats, man? It's definitely Spurs because we know that the favorites, we know that they should be the team to win at this time. It just doesn't feel like the Heat can do it again. But LeBron James could wield them to victory. That's the question. Can LeBron James take that team and win it in six or seven? I think the Spurs do it. They eke it out with their team effort. And, of course, Tony Parker at full strength. That's the biggest question. Can he make it through the full series, which hopefully it will be a long series, in a way that he's fully healthy, playing a solid 35, 40 minutes, and giving you the full, the, you know, the full product. I think that's where the Spurs win if Tony Parker is fully healthy. They should have won it last year. They should have won it last year. They're what, up five points, 30-some seconds on the clock. Ginobili misses free throws. They fail to get a rebound. Bosch kicks it out to Ray Allen. I mean, it was like the perfect storm that led to the Heat championship last year. It just shouldn't. They should put an asterisk on that one, for crying out loud, I think. But nonetheless, the Heat pull it off. They win the series in seven. I don't think that happens this year. I think the Spurs are all business. Now, having said that, I think all this chit-chat about bad blood between both sides is just kind of ridiculous. <laughs> it was the perfect Super Bowl four days, week, you know, we can have these random conversations about weird stuff and come up with these stupid stories, but the games are being played, and we're excited about the games. We want six or seven, obviously. We want to go back to San Antonio for, for game seven, just because that's going to make it that epic series once again. We just don't know. Is Ray Allen going to be a factor like he was last year, making one of the biggest shots in NBA history? Is it going to be like a Kawhi Leonard experience where he explodes? We just don't know because it's a long series. That's really what, or we hope it will be. Is Danny Green going to hit 10 threes in the game? Wasn't that crazy last year? But all I know is the dumbest question I've heard all year in any sport was like to LeBron James. Does this provide you extra motivation? I mean, what kind of question is that? This is the NBA Finals. Extra motivation. It's just kind of silly. Kevin Durant, of course, wanted to be in the NBA Finals. He doesn't make it again. He's the only unanimous choice for all NBA team. Adam, is that deserved? He had arguably one of the best seasons in NBA history. He is maybe the top player in the NBA, obviously, except for LeBron James. Anybody wants him. Everybody, you know, fears his offense. I just don't know about his defense, though. That's the reason why I'm not sure he's always a unanimous guy, and that's why I think LeBron's more unanimous, should be unanimous instead of Kevin Durant. LeBron well, stats, man. Well, it's interesting you say that, mm -hmm. stat, man, because I saw a statistical breakdown of LeBron's defense this season in particular, uh -huh. and it had tailed way off. Really? 
way, way off. So I want you to look at that. Now, having said that, I agree with you on Kevin Durant. It's his body, isn't it? He's just not big enough, I don't think, to be a strong defender in the NBA. It's it's difficult. And and by the way, on the on the, the LeBron win shares, it was his second lowest of his career. His lowest was his rookie year. So that's a very interesting situation with LeBron in regard to his defense. I still feel like his versatility, just the ability for him to be you know, a stopper on the defensive end because you know he'll step up. And he cruised for a little bit of the season. I know LeBron did that. But Durant, you're absolutely right. And it's unfortunate that he just doesn't have the ability to be the LeBron type because he just isn't that strong. He just can't shut down somebody like, well, even just like Bruce Bowen did. You know, he doesn't have, he doesn't have right. the, the ability to do something like that. So the problem is when defense is always underrated. And of course, baseball, it's, it's so frustrating when people talk about in different sports how defense just doesn't get as much cachet because it's in this flashy. Durant can step back, hit that jumper over anybody. But people can do that back to him. So that's the idea, and that's the reason why he's not in the finals this year. That's also one of the reasons why the Spurs were able to beat him. It's He's not that good at defense, and that's why I'm not that big of the unanimous guy, just because it, maybe it's just because my little baseball Hall of Fame in me, you know how they always like to wait that <laughs> extra year? Oh, that's yeah. maybe the reason why I don't think he's unanimous. Kind of like that idea that, well, LeBron's not unanimous, so why is Kevin? Donald Sterling gives the okay for the Clippers to go to Steve Ballmer. Now, I'm fired up about this because I didn't think Ballmer did everything he possibly could to bring the Kings to Seattle. He certainly didn't want to pay $2 billion to bring the Kings to Seattle, but he's going to buy the Clippers for this much. Did you think this would happen? Did you think Sterling would agree finally? I'm surprised, but very happy. I had no idea what was going on. I had no idea what was going to happen. But $2 billion, and the Clippers may now have that little curly, you know, paper clip that Microsoft Word loves, eh, it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> it will be fun, and that franchise, I think, is going to be reckoned with for years to come with a strong ownership. Ballmer's committed to everything he does. Great coach in Doc Rivers. Great young talent. I think the Clippers have a dynasty in the making. Of course, they have to make it to an NBA Finals first, but they're young and they've got talent, so we'll see. Absolutely. It was just very interesting to see that saga, and I'm guessing there might be a little bit more to it. Hey, buddy, always fun hosting any show with you. Let's do it again. Always looking forward to it. Always a lot of fun, and you know we could always have just these conversations. It just feels like a fantastic conversation going back and forth. Always fun. Just chatting basketball. Yes. Can't get any better than that. Take care, my friend. You as well. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Celtics Beat. Music for Celtics Beat provided by Carlos Andres Mesa, Astrovex, and Steph Legrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat, and you can like Celtics Beat on Facebook to keep up with the show. I'd like to thank our guest, Dan DeGuandao from Lakers Nation, for our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, executive producer, Larry H. Russell, and my co-host, Adam Lowenstein. I'm Ty Ray. See you next Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific for another edition of Celtics Beat exclusively on CLNS Radio.